throne of grace and find grace, mercy, revelation, knowledge, understanding, everything that we need, even the fruit of the Spirit to help us, sustain us, strengthen us as we walk this life uh, for you and with you. And we thank you, Lord, for what you're about to impart to us. Open every ear, every eye, every heart to your word in Jesus name amen praise God amen 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 so today we're going to talk about the fact that your prayers matter a lot okay your prayers matter a lot and never lose sight of the fact that um, your prayers do matter prayer is a worthwhile exercise to involve yourself in and it's uh, it's not wise to disengage yourself from prayer um, <clears throat> I know that there are times when I'm more given to prayer than others. I would love to be very consistent with it like so many people that I know and have heard and read about and so forth and so on. And I guess they had their their times when they felt you know they needed to, to step it up a little bit. But I think by understanding and getting it in your heart it, how important it is it motivates you a little bit more to stay consistent. So we, we need a constant motivation. Uh, well, living in this earth it's, it's uh, a challenge to keep your focus the way God's focus is that's why he gave us his spirit to dwell in us and uh, so that we have a constant help on the inside of us to stay on uh, target with God but we need to, to accept the fact that God has confidence in us he has confidence in his church and we must understand and receive that confidence within ourselves and I mean confidence in what he has called us to do confidence in our abilities through him all of those things we need to be able to maintain a strength in accepting and embracing that and not push it away like it's some foreign thing it's amazing how we'll we'll uh, embrace things about our past that aren't even true anymore and uh, uh, you know kind of accept some kind of imaginary weakness that the enemy has told us exists in us rather than receive confidence even though God can give you evidence of that 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 you know for why you should be confident all, all the time if you don't want to receive something you'll have to receive it but I'm petitioning you and, and see, beseeching you to receive the confidence that God has confidence in his church he has confidence in our abilities and he has called us to a life of prayer so what does it mean to pray in uh, in uh, Luke chapter 11 1 the disciples asked Jesus Lord teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples <laughs> so here we got the competition going on you know look at what John doing over there the church of the living living whatever is doing this and we ought to be doing that you know and uh, it's so easy to get competitive when there's no competition you know God is big enough to love all of his children all at the same time and to a high level of and degree of love so what are we competing about uh, he's got a great big lap 
If the earth is his footstool, my goodness, I'm sure he can sit everybody in the earth on his lap at one time. And so he's that big. And so we, we need to understand that, that we are serving a God who has no limitations. So why are we always that way but people are that way so Jesus said to them when you pray say this and he outlined the model what the the uh, scholars refer to as a model prayer and it starts out with worship now in if you look up the word prayer uh, in the bible some of the definitions of it are worship so you start with worshiping and and you you call on or invoke the Father God. That's very important. And so one of the definitions for prayer is to invoke. The word invoke means to call upon. Okay? To call upon. Worship again. Hallowed be thy name. Lifting him up. And then you petition something kind of unusual. You want to bring heaven down here on earth. So you want no obstacles in the way of God's word manifesting. And that's a very important aspect of prayer. That obstacles to the manifestation of God's plan, his will and his word are removed through prayer. That's why prayers of binding and loosing are so important. Even though people get scared when you talk about authority. You know they, that shakes people up. And I think it probably shakes up the weakness in their flesh when they think about it. But if you let meditate on that and start operating in it. It will be the best prayer you ever prayed sometimes. <clears throat> Every day give us our daily bread. You don't try to skip. You know if God gave you bread for a week you skip praying a week. Most people. Do you understand what I'm saying? I mean that's just the way it is. And so this is to keep you before the Lord every day. Check in with your father every day. And all times when you pray. Ask for forgiveness of sins. Even if you think you do everything right. Because there's some things you just don't know. There are iniquities that are creeping up on the inside of you that will manifest. You know, so many people get tripped up by things they didn't know were still problems on the inside of them. And so it's good to allow God to search your heart and root out things that will be obstacles in your life. And he says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So that keeps your mind clear on where the tempter is and who he is. So you don't blame God for your trials. You don't blame God for your uh, situations that you may find yourself in. And so this is the model prayer. And, and, And so Jesus then was called upon to teach prayer. And there are some people who are called to teach prayer. You know, I'm one of those people. We have a ministry of prayer. And we have many people in the ministry who are capable of teaching prayer now. And that's a good thing. Because in discipleship you want to raise up people who are qualified to pass on what they have learned to other individuals. So as disciples we need to pick up uh, an understanding of prayer we need to pick up a way to encourage others in prayer and how to instruct them in a life of successful prayer so why did they ask him to teach them to pray well for one thing they watched him pray 
and they watched his life because it says here that as he was praying in a certain place after he stopped praying one of the disciples came up to him and asked him teach us how to do that teach us what that's about and and so many times people will see your life or see your prayer life or see and they'll ask you what what do you do how do how should I pray I'd like to be able to pray and get the results you do and so I think when people are called upon for leadership it's because they demonstrate results in fact I don't think anybody's qualified to lead that can't demonstrate results why would you say for instance if you were looking for somebody to invest your money if they lost everything they ever invested would you entrust them with yours so you have to have some kind of cred you know some kind of credentials and credibility with people in order to have this and Jesus had it he had a life that reflected uh, 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 discipline it reflected relationship with the father Uh, they knew that at certain times when he was missing he was in prayer and they saw the results when he came out of that and so they wanted him to teach them uh, these things and so uh, the other part too they they he talks about the persevering in prayer as he continues in this in Luke chapter 11 uh, he talks about uh, you know somebody coming and, and knocking and disturbing someone and, and that person going away for a season but they come back and give you what you want and I think that's a good ending to the Lord's prayer to say you know what even though you may think you're disturbing the father you may think he doesn't answer for a long time if you persist in what you're saying then you will get what it is you're desiring from God in Luke chapter 18 he goes on to talk again about prayer Luke chapter 18 in verse 1 he says men are, are always to pray and not to faint so here he tells you there are some aspects to prayer that you need to understand must be continued he says prayer pray and not faint that is not lose heart not give up well how do you do that some things take a long time sometimes you get wearied and so forth well you need to be able to go to God with your concerns uh, with your weariness or whatever and just continue in the prayer one of the things that the Lord taught me to do was to discipline my thinking so that when uh challenges to when the prayer would be answered would come up uh, I could cast those down immediately and not entertain them now I know a lot of people think that's not possible or it's normal to be discouraged I hear that a lot from people that's if you want to spend time feeling sorry for yourself but if you want to spend time being successful in prayer you'll learn how to do it because that's a command in the word too he says casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God well that's an example of how you do that in real life see it gets beyond being a scripture to quote and to be something you apply to your life that's where the challenge is is to apply it in all situations but you can apply these things in all situations people say do you get discouraged not really you know there are things that come up that that you know I'm not planning for or or things that are said to you you don't appreciate that kind of thing but do I get discouraged no I go to God with these things and I refuse to give in to the devil's desire to defeat me by my own thinking 
I spent too much, too many years trying to get my mind back together to let him mess with it now. And I think many times people are looking more at themselves than they are looking at what God wants to do instead of, you know, a lot of self, what about me, you know, that kind of thing. So when we can walk out of that and we can understand that God will take care of us if we don't lose heart, if we don't faint. So that's what that means to pray without ceasing. Okay, team one. And he tells you this parable. Here's, he says, and this is why you need to do this. He said, this is why you pray and continue to pray whether you see results or not. Pray and continue to pray in spite of what's going on around you. Number one, we walk by faith and not by sight. So God doesn't really have to show you anything in the natural to encourage your prayer. Hello. Doesn't have to show you a thing. There was a um oh gee, I forget the I mean, it might have been Bonhoeffer. Anybody ever hear of him? Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Uh, he was in solitary confinement for a while. And there was a a leak. Water was leaking and dripping down on his head and it disturbed him and he talked to God about it and so God said we'll talk to that water and tell it to go back and the water would come down and go <laughs> and did that for the duration but he was confined in solitary where what's sight going to do for you there you see you see how how you can really walk by faith not by sight you don't have to see anything going on in the natural to validate what you're praying for now God's not a hard taskmaster. He knows how to encourage us. But mostly he encourages us by his word and in his spirit. You don't have to see anything in the natural to say, well, I'm going to keep praying for this because look what's happening. You know, that has, has fooled me so many times. I'm telling you. It just really has in life. And I learned how to quit looking for natural signs for supernatural happenings. These things are happening behind the scenes where God... God is preparing something great for us. Can you let him work it out for you and then unveil something? You just keep peeking up under the curtains. You know, most women, if we could peek under the curtains, well, I don't like that color. You think that's too busy for my nails that I'm wearing now? Or, you, you understand what I'm saying? God said, look, get out of here. Let me do this. I'll need your help. In fact, I'm the one that told you I was going to give it to you to begin with. Now you go mess it up with your little whatevers you want. And so we have to be faithful, patient, confident in God. Know that he knows what he's doing and trust him. That's the whole thing is to trust. And so he says, in, in the reason you need to pray and not faint, and this is uh, Luke chapter 18 again. He says, in, is, let, me, let me tell you a little story. He said there was a, in a city a judge. This man was under nobody's authority. Nobody. He didn't fear God or man. He just did what he wanted to all the time. Our, our modern day dictator. This is what he would be likened to. Uh, you know, sometimes if you have uh, issues with parents, he's like your mom or your dad or your teacher or your husband or your wife. You know, anybody in authority that you feel is a problem for you. You know, we have those all the time. People think my boss 
You know, I'll never get anywhere in this company. My boss doesn't like me every time I do something critical and all that. Well, maybe he's trying to get you to improve so that you can be promotable. You got me? And, you know, sometimes people, well, every time. I'm always cautious of people who use words like every, never, always. The great exaggeration words, folks. It's not true. It's not true that every time. If he criticized you all the time, you'd have been fired by now. He's crazy for keeping you there. If, if that's all you ever get is criticism. Isn't that the truth? People don't realize how foolish they sound sometimes saying these things. But it doesn't make sense to to uh, do that. So we know that there are people who have great power and great authority. That doesn't make them a problem for you. Don't let somebody else's power over you ever become a problem for you. And he says there was a widow in that city that came up to him. And because he was the king, he was the authority, she kept asking him. She didn't care if he said yes or no or who he didn't fear or whatever. And he wouldn't do it for a while. He kept putting her off, putting her off, putting her off, putting her off. And he says, though I fear not God nor regard man, yet because this widow keeps bugging me. I want to get her out of my hair. Even dictators like peace. You got me? He says, I'll avenge her lest her continual coming she wears me out. So even if your concept of God is he doesn't want to do anything for you. He's a mean God. He's not going to, maybe you don't pray enough. You don't please him with your prayers. You, don't, you, you understand what I'm saying? These things reflect negatively on our concept of God when we think them. So you have to make sure that your concept of God, he's a just God, a loving God, a fair God, but he expects us to obey him. As we obey him, he is just to do what he says he's going to do because of our keeping our part of the covenant. You got to look at him as a just God. Even if you look at him as an unjust God, he'll still move if you keep it up. Do your part. And God will do his. In other words, don't worry about God. God's taken care of. He takes care of himself. You worry if you do you and let God do God. And so when you understand that there's a part that you play. And sometimes God withholds so that you will stay persistent. He doesn't want a bunch of kids down here with weak mealy mouth faith. He wants people down here with strong faith because we're going to need it for for some of the work we're called to do. And so if he is developing your faith by tarrying with your answer or if he is developing your faith by letting you know that the faith that you're bringing now is not strong enough to pull that into the natural. And it's probably not strong enough to sustain it after it gets here. Why would he add blessings with sorrow? And so you let God be God. When at whatever time he decides to release that to you, that's up to him. That's not up to you. And so when we understand that if we continue, God will will release to us. And Jesus says, hear what the unjust said. Judge says, he says, shall not God avenge his own elect which cry day and night to him though he bear long with them in other words don't count days don't count hours don't count anything God's just bearing long with you and he says I tell you he'll avenge them speedily 
And so he said, nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, shall he find faith on the earth. That's part of the plan too. So there is a time schedule based on not only your needs and what you desire, but also based on God needing a certain level of faith in the earth when he returns. You got it? It's a bigger picture than what's coming to your garage. You got me? Or coming to your little picket fence or whatever you're trying to build down here that you think is so important. You're going to fall out with God if you don't get it in a certain amount of time. And so that's very, very important that we pray and not faint. Pray without ceasing. Pray continually. Pray continually. When the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray as well. Jesus set up a similar kind of a parable there. About not giving up on the length of time. Because this is something that affects most people. Most people quit because they feel like it is taking too long. Now that concept of time being against you is resident mostly in your flesh. That is not a spiritual concern. Your spirit man trusts God completely. Is never concerned about time. But what happens is it depends on what you give your attention to. When the Bible says attend to my words incline your ears to my sayings. What happens with time is that people are giving their attention to a voice outside of the word of God. And it's a voice that is telling them it's a voice of doubt. That's causing them to think that there is something wrong with something. And so it never tells you exactly what. You ever notice that when you start doubting everything that's on the agenda is doubtful. And maybe I didn't pray long enough. Maybe I don't have enough faith. Did I really get a word from God? Is he really going to do this? Everything goes into doubt. And so if God is 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 helping you, what gen- God what God generally does is he helps your faith. He doesn't tear it down by telling you to doubt what you've been doing so far. He helps your faith. You'll never see a situation where Jesus tried to help somebody that if their faith wasn't adequate, it was adequate by the time he got finished with the conversation with them. And so that's what God will do with you. He will help your faith if you will turn your attention to him. What happens sometimes is people stay on the road of doubt and then you know they have to get blasted off, you know, and then you know they're mad at the person that has to blast them off the doubt, you know. Come on now, let's get with it here. You know, if God told you he's going to do something, he's going to do it. Well, I didn't say I didn't believe. I got faith. You know what I'm saying. So it's good to pass up on those golden opportunities and just let God deal with people. You know, people snap out of it when they get tired of being crazy and, and tired of the doubt and all that kind of stuff. They tend to try and snap out of it themselves. You know, they sheepishly go back in the corner and realize oh boy I've been over there in Doubtville again how'd I get over there I'm supposed to be over here you know so God lets them humbly draw themselves right back to him nobody noticed you were gone too much amen and so that's what we have to but we have to learn how to discipline our thought life to cast those things down immediately when they come in you got to be the consider nots in a lot of situations you can't consider certain things because they will feed certain things inside of you and pull you away from your faith in God. 
And so the disciples in asking Jesus to pray they decided they needed more skill in their prayer life. And that's a legitimate request. God can fill that request and he can do those things for us. So in going back to Luke chapter 11. In that chapter Jesus gave some examples about um the reason for for us to continue to pray to to not cease our praying and he says here um which of you in verse 5 shall have a friend if you go into him at midnight and say to him friend let me some bread I just remembered somebody's coming to the house and I won't have anything for him and he hears you knocking but he turns over and goes back to sleep again he's trouble me not Mm, trouble me not he says the door is now shut my children are in bed and I'm not going to rise up and give it to you he said I say to you though he will not rise and give it to him because he is his friend but yet because of his importunity in other words persistence he will rise and give it to him so here again is a, a concept of of you thinking that somebody doesn't want to do something for you and you're asking them see this is a common occurrence with believers if it weren't it wouldn't be in here twice and so here is somebody who and this is the work of the enemy he will get in there and somehow convince you that you've lost something instead of gained something with the passing of time See the only person whose whose time is an enemy to is the devil. If you think about it. The Bible says he's come down to earth having great wrath because he knows his time is. And so time's an issue for him. And so when time becomes an issue for you you know where that idea came from. You know where that idea came from. Because the Bible says God avenges us speedily. In other words when it's time he moves. And until it's time he doesn't move. But when he does move it's right in there. Many people express things like uh, you know like uh, uh, (laughs) waiting for God to to get them the right person to marry. And uh, they said you know I didn't know this was happening so fast. Before I knew it we had three kids and and, you know where we thought we couldn't have children. and, And I had to say stop. You understand that's avenging them speedily because before they were waiting 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 when 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 and then when it finally came they fell in there and it was over for them like it is over for most married people you know Uh, you know you're married now settle into that life get a different kind of prayer life because you're not wanting something to come into your life now you want to be able to learn how to live with it (laughs) live with the answer to your prayer and so it always becomes a little different concern after God answers. But trust me, when it's time for that thing to pop, he'll pop it on you. He's not wasting any time in blessing us. And so here we have again, and, and uh, 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 you know, he's your friend. And you think you can come to him because he's your friend, but he delays answering. 
See, we think friends are our puppets sometimes. They'll do whatever we want to do whenever we want to do it. It's not true. And so when God's involved, he'll make sure that everything he wants to accomplish in this prayer situation and in this relationship of trusting and believing him gets accomplished. Sometimes we need to exercise patience because we have too many false understandings of what prayer will do. That needs to be corrected. So if God sees where your your understanding of it isn't quite right, He'll correct that in the in the situation. He doesn't correct it in a blackboard teaching situation. He corrects it in a real life believing situation. And so he says, because of his importunity, he will rise. And so it's persistence that wins God over. It's not that he likes you or doesn't like you or is your friend or not your friend. It's your persistence. And these are all aspects of faith when you think about it. Faith is persistent. Because faith knows it can bring the goods in. Why would it quit? So if faith never quits it's the same thing. These are expressions of your faith. So he says because of his importunity he'll do that. And he also says ask and it will be given. Seek you shall find. Knock and it will be opened to you. So God is the opener of doors. He's the rewarder of people who diligently seek him. And he wants you to ask him for what you need because he's your father. He is your source. So that in asking it establishes relationship. It establishes God you're the only one I even want to come to and I must come to you for this. Seek. What is it that you want? What is it you desire? And knock. You need opportunities. You need things to happen for you. He says if a son shall ask bread of any one of you that's a father will he give him a stone. In other words God is not bringing you bad things into your life. He's not the author of any. He will not disappoint you. So don't be afraid to ask him for exactly what you want. And so and then he says if he'll give you uh, material things how much more will he give the Holy Spirit. And that's everything. See you get him you get his spirit you get everything. That's the treasure <laughs> that's in these earthen vessels. And so that's that's how God feels about us. He will gladly give you everything that you need for life and for godliness. In 1 Thessalonians 5.17 we see Paul's last admonishment to the church of Thessalonica. He says pray without ceasing. Here it is again. Don't ever quit. Don't ever stop praying. The darkest periods in history have been when the church has not been active. Huh? So we see the effect of a prayerless church and a non-existent almost church in the earth. It goes dark really really fast. Some of the most confusing times of history have been when the church has gone dormant. And you see it come back to life during these different revivals and so forth. Uh, times like Confusing times like during some of the world wars. And then after the wars it seemed that some kind of revival would hit the earth and people enjoyed great prosperity. They went overboard and you needed another revival again. So every time there's light among the people of the earth 
you can you can look back and see a move of God in the church that coincided with that. Some of the great revelations of God have come right after periods of great darkness. And the reason the revelation came is that somebody prayed and stayed consistent in prayer until they got that breakthrough in God. There's tons of examples of how the church has turned the tide of history uh, based on what we do as far as prayer is concerned. So whenever there is a prayerlessness in the earth, the earth darkens. It just gets dark. And what that means is that uh, evil starts to make its march in advance. And it starts to prevail in a way that causes a great, greater deal of oppression, injustice, intolerance, those kinds of things. Okay? So we, we know that prayer makes a difference in those areas. It really, really does. <clears throat> One of the definitions of prayer is to supplicate. A suppliant is somebody who brings peace between two warring factions. Uh, to supplicate uh, means to bear an olive branch. And some people have that anointing in God. And some of them have it on a, a large scale. You know, uh, Some of the people, I'll tell you somebody who carries it. You wouldn't think they, they have that kind of anointing and power is Jesse Jackson. He'll go into a foreign country and sit down with people that didn't get along and all of a sudden or he'll go somewhere and talk to somebody and get prisoners out of jail. You understand what I'm saying? He carries that. You see how the devil wants to, to get rid of it though. You know he's always got him in politics and got him his personal sins exposed and all that kind of stuff. But that man still carries that. I mean whenever he can get involved in something like that he got the goods folks. He comes back with the with the right stuff. And so we have to realize that that's the sign of an intercessor. Somebody who can bridge that gap. Find that place where he can bring people together, bear that olive branch, and get the oppression released off of people. So don't ever discount. (laughs) You know what I'm saying. You just sit back and watch. Like I say, hide and watch. If you're too scared to watch it up front, just get a seat in the back row. But always judge people by their fruit. You understand what I'm saying? Judge them by the fruit. Because people can get with God, repent, they, and God puts his power on them again. God would much rather forgive one of his children and anoint you for service to help somebody than to penalize you forever for one mistake. You got me? So you just never know about these things. And so we need to always pray for the church to be a repentant church and a church to be a forgiving church and a giving church and a serving church so that we can do the full function of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In James 5 it tells you what type of prayer. There's prayers that people talk to God all the time. They're always shooting up wishes, ideas, thoughts, uh, incantations, you know, I seriously, there's there's prayers and there's prayers. And I think that's why James makes this distinction. In James 5 and 16. He says, confess your faults one for another and pray for one another that you may be healed. God wants a well church. 
And you can't be well with all kinds of iniquity on you. Unconfessed sin. Faults that you can't get over. You know it's amazing some people are tormented day and night because they don't know how to humble themselves. Go to somebody and get prayer for that. You know, um, uh, I was listening to um, uh, you know people are always saying, "Well, ministers don't have anybody to go to." Of course they do. Amen. Of course they do. If I get in trouble, I know I can ask somebody you know on my level for prayer. You know, and and tell them what the problem is. That's how I survived. You know, years and early years of my walk with God is by obeying these kinds of scriptures that kept you understanding that you had to be accountable to somebody else. This accountability of the body to one another is something that's getting to be old hat now. You know, we don't we don't have to do that anymore. You know, I have my relationship with God or whatever, whatever. But he says here plainly, and this is how you get righteousness in your prayers. He says the prayers of a righteous man availeth much the effectual and the fervent prayers of the righteous the effectualness and fervor and zeal come from the power of the holy spirit that's who you want energizing your prayers you don't care if you follow brother so-and-so's formula and somebody's steps you want the holy spirit to undergird your prayer life because that's where the success is folks that's where the success is the bible tells us praying always in the spirit with all prayer and supplication and and praying in the holy ghost increases your most holy faith it keeps you in the love of god so that your spirit man is energized and going forward and your flesh man is sitting on the side wondering how we how he's going to survive through all of this you know that's what you want you want that fervor and that zeal of the holy spirit you want sometimes we you can notice when we're in prayer here sometimes you get caught up something some power catches your words and catches your prayers and and floats you off and you it's hardly any effort for you at all biggest effort is getting started putting aside what you want to do and getting started with it but once you get started he kind of bears you up on his wings and takes you into the realm of intercession in a great way and so these are the kinds of prayers that avail much that's why you notice on your guidelines for prayer you always cleanse yourself in the blood of Jesus because effectual and fervent and righteous avail much don't ever assume anything you know it's good to check in with God sometimes you begin to talk to God and you'll he'll begin to unfold things that you never even heard of before because he wants that one-on-one with you about you before you step in to do anything for anybody and so it's a good thing to do that so the prayers of the righteous avail much so there must be expressions of righteousness in the earth that's what God wants look at all the press that's given to all the sinful things and negative things can you close that door please all the sinful and negative things get great expression in the earth and then here's the church many times we think we're called to be spokespeople 
When really we're called to be people of prayer. That's the one thing that we can all do if we'll pay attention to the Holy Spirit and read our word and get an understanding of how to be successful in your prayer life. That's something everybody can do. But yet many times our biggest our biggest activity is trying to speak out in public about different things. I don't know why people think that that's more important than what they do in private. But Jesus said your father who sees you in secret will reward you openly. I'd rather get an open reward than an open expression. If I'm not called to do it. So the righteous prayers avail much or prayers of the righteous people avail much and these have to be the expressions in the earth this is not a wasted exercise but it's well worth the effort and the sacrifice to maintain your righteous footing in Christ and when you step out of it you repent and step back in it I like what Mary uh, remember our, our little friend Mary um Oh shoot, she came here uh, for a conference some years ago. I think we were still at the Van Dyke. She was an intercessor. And uh, David Horton was there. And oh boy, he was on the front seat just loving everything that she said because she talked about the finished work. You know, he's one of the finished work people. And, uh, and she said, she said, and when I get in a, a bad mood, I just go before the Lord and take a bloodbath. And Satan, you can't get me. Ha ha. You know, she was one of those kind of people. And so, but she, she would train intercessors. This lady had a, a wonderful prayer life. And back in the days when, when people were afraid to talk about Bible, Binding and loosing, she had full revelation and understanding of it because God had taken her into some places and shown her some things. And so these are good things to to keep in your belt, your your um <laughs> your your gird your loins up with these kinds of truths. Um, let me see. Okay, that was James five sixteen. James five thirteen. Go back a couple of. He says, "Is there any among you afflicted?" let him pray so prayer is a a remedy for affliction both your personal affliction and the afflictions of others they're remedied through prayer you know you can give all you want to give money wise and but that won't get the right answer into the earth only prayer will get the right answer into the earth so prayer releases ministry into the vessel who prays it's a, the word's always a double-edged sword. It'll cut through the vessel that's speaking, and it'll cut through the situation or the darkness that's confronting it. I hear people say things like, which I think is just wrong understanding. Uh, I can get other people healed, but but not me. Then that doesn't even make sense. Why would God let you die and give you all this wealth of understanding for other people? It's kind of a lopsided understanding of God's. Yeah, that's a bad that's that's the bad concept of God again. See? Unjust, unfair. That's what you're really saying in that. It might sound real humble and sound real whatever, but you're really giving a false representation of who God is. Because faith in God's word is faith in God's word. If you're believing God's word, wherever it's directed, it's going to help that situation. And as you sow, you reap so it comes back to you to help your life you know these things are nonsense when you hear people say them you think to yourself my goodness what kind of God do they think they're serving here in 1st Samuel chapter 12 
And this is something that people I think really don't understand. I think people get involved in, in some kind of selfishness that causes them to walk away from a prayer life. Or think they can pray for a season and then quit and there's no harm no foul. You know that kind of stuff. It says First Samuel 12.23 um, 12. Is that the one I want? Oh, I'm over in a second. Let me get you up here. <laughs> 12. That's a long chapter, man. I'm coming. I'm coming. Got it. Um, this is one of those discourses between Saul and Samuel, I think. Saul's in trouble. He's begging Samuel. And so he says, Saul is speaking to him and he says, Moreover as for me, God forbid that I would sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. So it is a sin for you once you have taken up prayer to cease doing it. Not me, just take that as a a confirmation. Well, that doesn't mean every prayer. No, uh uh-uh. You need to take it for everything and take it as an admonishment to continue to pray. And so he says in, in, in that Saul had, Samuel had taken up prayer for that whole nation. And whenever you take on responsibility in God, he doesn't take the responsibility away. We just walk away and leave it. You know, he, he, he doesn't work like that. His work for us is eternal. So, you know, I know what people do. They pray as long as it seems like it's the end thing to do. You know, they're the fad people. They always want to jump on this train or that train, etc., etc. But you're best to keep doing it. I notice that when people leave this ministry, they still want to pray. They don't want to come and be a part of things or stay under authority or do their part. But they have a hard time letting go of the prayer because they think they can pick and choose what pleases God and they're afraid to let everything go. And so they'll say, well, can I still pray with somebody? I said, no, I don't think so because you've got to be under authority for your righteousness to work. Come on now. You know, then oftentimes they'll pray, find people to pray with and use the same prayers they've always used. You know, I think it's better if you just stay obedient to God and take this as a life work. And if you're called uh, to serve God all your life, you're called to do the work he's called you to. And so this is something that it's, it's really hard to get people to understand God's not just letting people out of things that they've committed to what kind of covenant is that what kind of blessing can you get out of that kind of activity so even though Saul was disobedient Samuel was compelled by God to pray for him and I think even more so when people are in disobedience that's when they need the prayer even more and so Samuel committed to pray for Saul uh, as long as he was on the earth uh, those prayers obviously work because Saul outlived Samuel you know even after Samuel died Saul was still looking for him and trying to contact him and all that stuff the indoor medium and uh, you know that kind of thing so in Jeremiah 29 we'll go there and, and we know this scripture 29 I think we know 29 11 <clears throat> 
God is prophesying and, and uh, speaking to them, telling them what's going to happen after the end of their uh, um, um, uh, uh, confinement in Babylon so obviously Israel has been disobedient and they've come under the curse they're going to be 70 years under the dominion of the Babylonian empire and verse 11 he says uh, but in verse 10 he says but I'm going to uh, return to you and cause you to return to this place where you are now he says for I know the thoughts that I think towards you saith the Lord thoughts of peace and not evil to give you an expected end or an end that you will delight in he says then you shall call upon me and you shall go and pray to me and I will hearken to you so for the righteous when when you call upon God and pray to him he will listen to you he listens to the prayers of the righteous unrighteous prayers are not heard and thank God for that (laughs) <laughs> you know and they're not answered but it's a return to righteousness and the power of righteousness in the earth because the righteousness is God he wants to have himself established in these situations he wants to have his power inserted into these situations and that's why he's, it's so important for him for us to turn away from our wicked ways and come into the presence of God turn away from thinking about yourself all the time turn away from wondering when you're going to get a, a promotion turn away from wondering when you're going to get what you need and just turn your heart wholeheartedly to God and say God what's on the agenda today what's on the intercessory prayer agenda in the New Testament we have a higher level of prayer we have keys to the kingdom we have automatic access to the throne of God we have dominion to let who in who needs to be let in keep out who needs to be kept out now you know you don't do this on your own you do it under the direction of the holy spirit but in mark chapter hang on a second i think that's right but let me look again Mm-mm. If somebody can find the scripture, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. I'll give you the keys to the kingdom. Okay. Yeah, like I said. Alright. I knew it was one of them brothers. Alright. <laughs> This is very important because Jesus has a great trust of the church. Like I said, he has confidence in us. He has great trust in the church as we work with him. Okay, We work with him. And so <clears throat> Jesus said uh, he's asking Peter who he thinks he is. Peter says you are the Christ the son of the living God. Jesus said flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. So when you have valid revelation from the father God regarding the word. That's what puts the keys in your hand. 
You don't get authority and responsibility off of somebody else's understanding of God or man's. This is this comes through relationship with God through the Holy Spirit. And it's your relationship to the Holy Spirit that makes all the difference in the world. The level of confidence you have in your prayers of binding and loosing. The level of confidence you have in authority. The level of power you wield over demonic forces. All of that kind of stuff comes out of relationship. You can't jump over that part of it. You can't go to enough seminars and get enough certificates and doctorate degrees to jump over this. This has to come to you personally as a revelation and then there's an empowerment, an endowment with power from on high to back up that revelation and make it real in the earth. You can't cast a devil out of somebody without personal revelation and keys to get that force out of the earth and get it back where it belongs you understand me these things come through relationship and so you can't you can't get it any other way i wish i could get that into people you know some i feel bad for people who are waiting for somebody to recognize their gift so they can get up and do something that they if you had relationship you could do it you understand what I'm saying you don't have to you don't have to beg people and then get mad at them because they don't let you have your way somewhere and that kind of stuff this comes out of relationship with God it just does there's a boldness that comes with righteousness Bible says the righteous are as bold as a lion and that confidence that they have extends to taking authority over demon princes over every foul problem over everything that would exalt itself against the knowledge of God and so in your in your your relationship with the father that gets to be established in you it's an established thing it's not something that kind of like comes and goes or it's there if you have an opportunity or it's not there or you believe in it or what it, it has nothing to do with anything but it all comes down to what are you willing to let go of so that you can get more of him what are you willing to put aside so that he can come in to those vacant places and fill them up what are you willing to not indulge in so that he can have room see it's about making room for these things it's about your covenant of exchange I I laid this down so that I can gain more of you you know we don't when we know we're supposed to get up early and pray or something there's something you got to lay down it's your comfort or your desire to to stay in that bed another day i mean there's always something to to set aside to make room for what he has he doesn't feel full hands he feels empty hands and so we have to be emptied of these things in order to receive what God has for us and so that's how Simon got that revelation there was something that he did to make room for that understanding of who Jesus because there's a lot of people running around calling him one of the old prophets raised from the dead he was John the Baptist raised again why were they saying that because they didn't have relationship with the father they never sought the father on his true identity and so he says flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you but my father who is in heaven 
And I say to you that you are Peter and upon this rock I'll build my church. And other, and on the same basis that you got this knowledge that's how all the church is going to be built up. He said my strong church that will withstand all the opposition and everything that comes against it is going to have to have a revelation of me through the Father. They're going to have that relationship with the Father God and be patient with the Father and what he reveals to you that's what you use. You got me. You you use what he reveals to you, and he says, and when you start using your authority, the gates of hell won't prevail against it. They won't prevail against the Father. That's why, because you got the Father working in you, in strength and in power, in all the power of the Godhead working in you in great strength and great power, and that's why the devil won't prevail against you. Won't prevail at all. You don't have to go around looking for devils or set up a deliverance ministry in uh, in order to do the work of the ministry for God. You just go about your business and understand who you are because you've had a real revel- you've had a sit down with dad. You must sit down with him and you understand some things have been transferred to you. Some things have been let go of by you so that you can raise up in that type of power. <clears throat> and so he says Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth. In other words, what you're the you're you're the, the you own the gate now. Whatever you allow is allowed. Whatever you disallow is not allowed. And see, people who understand this are careful about their words. They know that their words are gates to every door that will open. And they're not speaking out of emotion. They're not speaking out of feeling. They're not speaking out of reaction to some kind of stress. They're not speaking out of retaliation because of some hurt or some offense or some wound. They are speaking from the throne room of God and they understand the power and authority of their words. At all times. At all times. One of the things that the enemy likes to do is to get people under stress. So they'll be careless about their words. You got me? All he needs is for one one preacher to get offended because somebody's threatening to divorce them. And start speaking out of that. Look at all the people out there listening. That they, you see what I'm saying? You got to understand these things. You got to understand why keys are so important and respect keys that you have. So he says, "This is how I'm going to build my church." He said, "My church, the one that I call, devil won't be able to prevail. Uh-uh. They'll they'll know how to use keys. They'll use them the right way. They'll be able to discern into these finer things, even if it's a trace of evil on it. They're not going to allow it. They're going to speak against it, and they're going to stand against it." He said, "That's my church. You got me. That's my church." And so he's when he says that, he means that. So we have great authority in the church. Ephesians 3.10 extends that even farther to let you know the range and the scope of your warfare. And this warfare has nothing to do with anything personal against you. It's got nothing to do with a boss that doesn't like you or a neighbor who doesn't like you or anybody that doesn't like you. It goes beyond that. (laughs) You've laid that down to pick up a greater authority. 
You trust God in those personal things in order to pick up this. And in Ephesians 3.10 he says to the intent now that unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be made known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. So we're called to use our keys to speak to demonic forces that wield much greater power than has to do with getting your bills paid or getting a promotion or getting even a healing. You need to walk in divine health. You need to understand that that's paid for already and all you got to do is feed on the word and it will come to you. So let's move on. Don't let that stop you. Don't let that sideline you. And he says that's the church's responsibility to just talk to the devil and tell him who he is. Tell him what he can't do and put him in his place with your words. You put him in his place with your words. And you don't talk to people and tell them they're devils. You got me? That kind of nonsense. It's for somebody who doesn't, that's for somebody who's not close enough to the father to get that out of them. Still got junk hanging on you. How are you going to get something off somebody else? Hmm? All the devils just have a party and make friends with one another. Ephesians 6.10 Tells you you don't wrestle against flesh and blood. People are not your problem. No, don't get offended. That's why, you know, keeping short accounts with God's the best thing. I don't care what you're upset about. You go to God with it. Take it and leave it there. Cast your cares upon me because I care for you. And once you get under God's care, then none of that stuff bugs you. None of it bothers you. You know, you're under his care. And we all need to cast our, put ourselves under God's care for everything. And then you can keep the fight where it belongs. You can keep it in the arena of spiritual authority that avails much. Avails much. He says we wrestle not against flesh and blood but principalities and powers. Rulers of the darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in high places. And so he tells you to stand in armor or in the spirit of authority that God gives. He doesn't give you authority against people. He gives you authority against principalities and powers. You know for any of you who are parents know how how far in God you have God given authority over your kids and you don't know how to use it. If you could only figure it out. How can I get little Johnny to stop doing what he's doing without breaking his neck? Because that's what I really want to do. right? Now. You know, How do you separate the bad behavior from the kid and preserve the kid alive? Amen. So all authority is not, see authority is not something against people. Usually with people, let me tell you what works with people is good leadership. Leadership works with people and and that's something that God set up that pattern when he talks about his church as sheep who need a shepherd. That's pretty much how people are taught, trained, led, all of those things. It's through the discipline of staying under a leader. And you know people don't have to follow who they don't want to. They don't have to follow anybody. And so hopefully leadership can understand how to take most of them. (laughs) <laughs> with them you know you you'll get some that'll go but but not everybody so it's always a personal choice but people don't do well under control 
and under just dictatorship type things. They always want to be free. But they will follow leadership. Leadership that sets an example and leadership that is going somewhere and can show success. So uh, you know success is more than a bunch of tapes that you you sell to people it has to do with with what god shows them is is admirable about you so okay so our last one is mark 11 22 and again this talks about the power of your words and and it really plays up the aspect of faith to a high degree where you first see the real importance of having faith in God or having or exchanging our measure of faith for his faith putting our faith investing our faith in him and we take on his faith in exchange and so it says Mark 11:22 Jesus they were marveling that he had cursed a fig tree the day before and it was still dead and Jesus said to them have faith in God not in yourself and not in me I didn't do that apart from God the Father you see he always had to make sure he taught them the right thing because when you're walking around in a flesh body people will tend to think it's just coming from you as a person and not from God so Jesus always gave glory to the Father and and taught them the right way he said truly I say to you whosoever shall say to this mountain be removed and cast in the sea if you can do that without doubting not doubt in your heart but you got to really believe that those things which you say will come to pass you will have what you say it's good to invest your faith in God and God's word and shut everything else out and then you will know that you will have what you say you have to be careful about your words and don't say two opposite things about the same situation this is where we get into trouble sometimes we see the prayer you know push itself to the back burner because then we we've looked at the natural and expressed doubt because of what we see in the natural and then here's your supernatural prayer trying to make its way toward you but your words are pushing it away because you're saying it's not going to happen you're speaking words that negate your faith and so and eventually most of us if we want something bad enough we stop saying stupid stuff like that you know I know it with with regard to healing with regard to finances that's where it gets everybody because those things are so important to us we can't mess this up so don't let me mess up my money with my mouth you know and so we we tend to to get more serious if it's something we really want well all of your prayers should be that way all of your answers should should have that much importance to you I would say even more so uh, when it comes talking about coming to into the life of somebody who really doesn't know God. You know there's something about being able to have God bless somebody and they really know the goodness of God that should bring joy to the heart of every believer. You know that's a way to, to get the gospel into people. And so in that we're able to, to see that if we will keep our words full of faith and full of power and let our words be fueled by the Holy Spirit then they will come to pass we can have what we say you have to take yourself out of it enough sometimes people doubt themselves 
And so anytime we're involved in something we automatically put it on kind of a doubtful level. And we have to stop that. You have to to understand that when you speak from your spirit man that is God's faith working on your words. It is his word that you are speaking. He sanctions his word by putting his power, his anointing, and his faith on it. And you should never lose sight of the fact that that is God working through you to will and to do of his good pleasure. That's what intercessors do. They allow God to work through them. Work with your words. Know your words are going to come to pass. Expect it to happen. If it doesn't happen today, quit looking in the natural it's going to happen one of the things that we do sometimes is we want to peek in there and see what's going on and you have to spank your little eyeballs or whatever you do and make them quit looking so hard for God to do something for you in the now it's, that's just I call that just slipping over into the flesh and you don't catch yourself getting over there the devil puts a word of doubt in your mind and you follow that up almost without thinking about it too much and so our prayers are extremely extremely important one of the things that God uses our prayers for is to relieve oppression and injustice he does it through intercession and don't think it takes a long time don't put a time aspect on this because God can pull people out of a prison even though they're locked up you understand what I'm saying? He can get you so free on the inside you could care where you are. And so in Acts chapters uh, 12 verse 5. Peter was kept in prison. But prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. So this is relentless prayer. This is consistent prayer. This is prayer every time you go into the throne room or every time God quickens to you. The Holy Spirit helps you a lot here folks. He'll remind you of when you need to either speak that to God, remind God of it or thank him for it. He'll remind you of that. So in verse 6 it says when Herod would have brought him forth the same night Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound within two chains and the keepers before the door kept the prison and behold the angel of the Lord came upon him and a light shined in the prison and he hit Peter on the side and raised him up saying arise quickly and his chains fell off his hands well when an angel comes for you everything that's not godly leaves trust me that includes your mind too you know what I'm saying you you snap into a, a place where you didn't know you could get into and the angel said to him gird yourself bind on your sandals and so he did and he said to him cast your garment about you and follow me so many times prisoners were held naked so that they wouldn't escape very quickly and so apparently Peter was able to find his clothing and he was able to gird himself that's very important Uh, remember Peter's prophecy of, of Jesus before he left you know he was talking to John and uh, John was he was telling he was talking to the disciples and Peter got in some kind of argument with him and it looked like John wasn't going to die wasn't going to suffer death and so Jesus said uh, when he prophesied to Peter he said when you were young you girded yourself 
and went where you wanted to go. He said, when you're old, others will gird you and take you where you don't want to go. And so when the angel told Peter, put your own clothes on, he knew it wasn't the end of the story for him. Amen. And so he says he went out followed him and he didn't know that it was true which was uh, done by the angel but he thought he'd seen it in a vision so Peter has this experience in his natural flesh with the with being let out of prison again the words of Jesus kind of haunting him he says but when they were past the first and second ward they came into the iron gate that leads into the city which opened to, to them of its own accord and went out and see it's because the church praying without ceasing but also using their authority of binding and loosing see whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven so their prayers had already opened those gates that's why the angel didn't have to you know diddle with the lock and all that kind of stuff those doors were opened by their authority of binding and loosing and he says that when they were past the first and second ward they came to the iron gate that leads to the city which opened to them of its own accord and they went out passed on through one street and forthwith the angel departed from him and when Peter was come to himself he said now I know of a surety that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews so this is a revelation that comes to Peter otherwise he would have thought he had to run and hide for the rest of his life because he thought Herod was coming after him but God gives him assurance that case against you is over in other words the oppression of Herod against you is done this is the end of that and when he had considered the thing he came to the house of Mary the mother of John whose surname was Mark where many were gathered together praying and as Peter knocked at the door of the gate a damsel came to hearken named Rhoda and when she saw Peter's her new Peter's voice she opened not the gate for gladness but ran in and told how Peter stood before the gate now here we got one gate opens because of prayer and the other one is not open because of the same prayer am I reading a different Bible than you guys are reading when the angel was with Peter that gate opened of its own accord because of their prayers of binding and loosing why did they have to use the latch on this one because the same gate that keeps evil out keeps righteousness protected see the people that were in there praying needed to be secure from further attack from the enemy so just because you get prayer for a certain liberty to occur that doesn't give you blanket liberty to negate the will of God to do something else in that same situation see God knows how to 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 separate out the good from the bad keep those things in that need to be kept in keep those things out that need to be kept out and for the security of people who were in that prayer meeting they couldn't let anybody in unless they gave that permission and they said to her you're crazy but she constantly affirmed that it was even so and they said it's his angel but Peter continued to knock huh? does, a, does a ghost knock and when they opened the door and saw him they were astonished you know it's like they say asking faith receiving shock but he beckoning unto them with a hand to hold their peace declared unto them how the Lord had brought him out of prison etc etc so even though you ask in faith 
And I think this is, is part of how people train themselves in natural manifestations. It's kind of like in faith you believe it's done already. You know you believe for that outcome and you've enjoyed the revelation and the fruit of that outcome you've enjoyed the peace of it already so when the real thing comes it's kind of like you're in a different zone from reality almost you know this is something that happens to people it's almost like they were happier when they were believing than they were now you understand what i'm saying it's a supernatural joy that comes as part and parcel of of your faith in god and what your faith is able to do uh, when you exercise your faith in god so it's not unusual that when that thing happens people would be somewhat unbelieving you know maybe they were just praying for him then and and you know thought they weren't done praying yet for him or something like that and then he appears at the door and so this is how this happens but know for certainty that God will answer the prayers of the righteous keep your prayers clean don't ever assume anything in God don't assume righteousness always go before God and let the light of the Holy Spirit reveal anything that God needs you to deal with sometimes it's not what you do but what you feel in your heart what what you meditate on sometimes it's wounds and hurts through persecution that will start to manifest ungodliness so always allow God to be the determiner of your righteousness not you amen and if we'll do that things will work out well for us we'll have prayers that will always work and always come to pass and we'll be able to challenge the highest demonic authority against us if we'll stay in that place with God amen father we thank you for your word and for understanding it comes through your holy word and we bless you father we praise you and we thank you for giving us this opportunity to hear receive and believe your word and we thank you for that lord in jesus name amen praise god amen 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 praise god if you need prayer come on up and i'll pray for you